Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy New Year. Welcome to Game Brain. This is a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Robinson. This is the last episode of the year. What a year it's been. We are joined tonight, ladies and gentlemen, by three members of our podcast, plus myself. We have a four-person pod tonight. It's our end-of-the-year jamboree, accidental jamboree, but it happened and it's great. Please welcome your co-host tonight, Dimitri Portnoy, the philosophical gamer, the philosophical gamer. <laughs> the philosophical. <laughs> the philosophical gamer. You're a philosopher. philosopher. <laughs> Paul the Game Breaker and Trey the Designer. Happy holidays, fellas. Hey. Hello. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Happy New Year uh, and happy uh, non-chaotic evil president soon. Exactly. Yes, we uh, we are all very conscious of not talking over each other because we have four people. So we're, we're all very polite and giving our space. But um, we're going to do our best to not have us all talking over each other tonight. But I, I'm glad we're here. We tonight are reviewing a classic Euro. Nay, one of the most classic, greatest of all the Euros. Uva Rosenberg's masterpiece, Lahav. My personal favorite Uva uh, Rosenberg game, and I think I mean, a just typical spoilers, one. Spoilers abound. Spoilers abound. Uh, I mean, I think I, when I call it a masterpiece, we're probably not going to give it too many pans. But we uh, look, we review a lot of new games here, a lot of hotness, a lot of a lot of new S in hotness. But every once in a while, we also think this podcast serves you well by going back and reviewing the greatest games that we have never reviewed. So tonight we are ending 2020 on a high note by reviewing a game I think all of us love, although I'm very excited to hear Paul's thoughts uh, <laughs> on Lahav. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to get deep on Lahav. And then because there are four of us here tonight, and because it is the end of the year, and because we haven't seen each other in so long, Dimitri has brought us the lovely theme of games and friendship. Isn't that right, Dimitri? And specifically games that help promote friendship. Um, we always sign off with make friends with games. Uh, I want to point out that we are not friends who play games or we are not friends who just decided to play games together. Many of us actually met playing games. I did not know you, Matt. Uh, I met Paul a couple of times, but didn't at all remember him. Uh, and we actually got together and got to know each other through playing games. Yeah, I, I stole Tom's game night and then created my own game night and then Tom stole my game night and now we just have one game night that's both of our game nights and it's great. Yeah, but uh, I would not have known Alfred. Um, that's true. I would not have gotten to know Jesse. Uh, that's true. I, would, uh, I might have gotten to know Jake, uh, but I think on this podcast we sound like friends. How would you possibly have gotten to know Jake without knowing me? Uh, without game night. Oh, I see. Uh, because I, see. Uh, I actually met Jake socially through you. Uh, but we got to know each other at game night. Uh, and I don't think it would have happened under other circumstances. But well, yeah, sure. Of course, I agree. And, that, and I'm excited to hear your falafel thoughts on that topic. The falafel gamer. <laughs> the falafel. You are very falafel. Um, uh, I invite to hummus you. Uh, and, and oh, jeez. Oh, what have I done? We're what finally going to get some ads on the podcast from Zanku Chicken. It's, it's... Yeah. Thank God. Um, 
Let's go around the horn and just do a brief check-in on how everybody's holiday was, non-game related. Just how are you? How the heck you doing? Dimitri, let's start with you. I'm doing well. I can't complain uh, about anything. Uh, my family is good. Uh, all my friends are good. Um, and, uh, you know, in Southern California specifically, this is a very dark time right now. It's darkest before the dawn. Uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and uh, almost there. Hopefully not saying that as I'm plunging off of a skyscraper. <laughs> Just cut to the, the dog in the flaming house meme. This is fine. Um, Trey, where are you at in the world, Carmen San Diego? I am currently uh, in Texas. I am. I have drove. I drove from LA to uh, the coast of Texas here for a second time this year. You know, twenty four hour drive, but I'm here spending some time with uh, my parents, which is good. It's been a good uh, culinary adventure. They have a very nice kitchen here, and so I'm spending a lot of my time making them fancy meals that I can't make in my LA apartment with its tiny kitchen. But here I can do things like make standing rib roasts and 48-hour buttermilk uh, brined turkey. So it's been – everyone's getting a lot of weight here. So thanks Speaking for – Speaking of food, how you doing, Paul? I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> I've been better. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, the, the uh, December has been uh, fine. Finally, you know, like I've – have a few minor medical issues that prevent me from indulging in food the way I uh, would prefer. So that is not good. But that's you know, like your Twilight Zone, like ironic punishment. Like it is you're stuck it, in quarantine. There's nothing to do, and now you can't do your favorite thing. It, exactly. It, it, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. Uh, so in in a complete flip, like I got a weighted vest for. Uh, uh, for Christmas, so now I'm Ooh. walking around with like 18 pounds on my back. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna go the other way. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. You're gonna slip a disc. <laughs> I'm gonna go into the crev- crevasse. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but the holidays have been great. Like you know, uh, I've minimized seeing family, but like you know, the the very minor dropping off of gifts and stuff like that have been uh consequential and and like you know heartwarming and i think everyone is doing fine right well that's good that's how are you matt um oh thanks for asking thanks so much i'm doing i'm doing fine i'm doing fine man you know i'm doing fine i'm uh i've got two beautiful children and and a wonderful (laughs) wife and i'm very happy being with them um and we're doing good um yeah, no complaints. My mom is good. That's that's our little bubble. It's my that's all the only people I see. Um, I really horribly miss you all and playing games um, in that order. Uh, but yeah, it's I've I've re- it's really been like uh, hard the last couple of weeks. I've felt it more than ever. Just like all right, now I'm like very done with this and like not not enjoying uh, the loneliness. Um, I mean, and it's funny because I'm not lonely. Like there are a lot of people who are actually alone. I'm far from alone. In fact, I'm around screaming children all day long. But, um, but yeah, there's still uh, there's still a big hole that you guys. Yeah, it's very. I I recommend you spend a year with a one and a two year old. Me. Yeah. Yeah. 
You have screaming children around you too? Uh, no, what that means is being around a screaming child and being around me is probably a that's similar true. experience. Mm, that's true. They're both they're both equally rational. Um, but yeah, I miss you guys a lot and I, I really, I miss gaming with you guys and it's, yeah, that's a, it's just a huge part of my, it is my entire social life is gaming. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. Um, but let's talk about the games that we did play and the friends we made along the way. Let's get into some game night. You know, oh uh, I, I say this every time, but like you know, Spotify, you know, has now has has a uh, two point five speed, mm-hmm. so everything feels so slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird, man. I don't know why you, that can't be good for your brain. That's like doing too much VR or something. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm ascending. Weird effects. On I guess. <laughs> yeah. Something. lighting our podcast. You are kind of yeah. Um, yeah, I've, uh, work has been, uh, quiet in the last week, which is the, the first Christmas I haven't been literally working the, through the entire holiday in a couple of years, which is really nice. Um, so I've had a little more time for, for daytime gaming. I've been trying to get a couple games in during the week and I played a good amount of games this week. I played, uh, I played Merv a few times, um, which is, uh, not aging well the more i play it uh and i've i've been uh i've been playing a lot a lot a lot of uva rosenberg in fact i i have become i've kind of fallen back in love with uva rosenberg in a really big way to the point where i now only want to play uva rosenberg games sort of i i've been playing a lot of glass road a lot of newsford a lot of fields of arl a lot of lahav um I, I pulled out Agricola this week and like, I'm going to start. I just, I just feel like I've just like, I, it took me 11 years to finally realize it probably doesn't get better than Uwe Rosenberg. Um, and I don't, I don't know why, but it's the only, like nothing else feels fun to me these days. Uh, Maybe, are you playing online or are you playing solo? I'm doing both. I'm playing solo uh, and, and to remind myself how to play and to like try to get better at it. And then I'm playing online. Yeah. Um, I was able to teach Ben Newsford and Glass Road in the last week, which was really fun. Two of my favorites. Um, so yeah, that's it. And uh, and I've uh, been playing quite a bit of two of my favorite games of all time. In fact, probably my number one and number two games of all time. Um, I've been playing a lot of Lorenza, Lorenzo on uh, Yucata. Is that how we call it? Yucata.de. And I've been playing quite a bit of Twa on BGA as well, which has been a nice little diversion because they, they I can play them on my phone. They take little breaks. Your um, favorite game, or I, game? both, How long both is of your them. Favorite game. Um, yeah, uh, Dimitri, what have you played this week? Well, I played La Havre with uh, the three of you, um, but most importantly for me uh and this is going to sound really dumb uh but this is the first time i've ever played a game asynchronously uh and it had a very weird and unexpected effect i found myself thinking and there you go about folks. the game <laughs> which i oh. do but i'm not sure that i like doing that because um, i can't really multitask i i, I just do things in sequence. Um, mm. And I found myself juggling too many flaming torches. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Oh, yeah. wow. All right. Well, like, uh, let, let, let's get into that when we talk about the the review, because I, I would like to hear uh, the adventures of Dimitri and his uh, first real board game app. Um, but yeah, Trey, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing a lot of the same games you have. And even though you mentioned tons of Uwe Rosenberg games, you even did you forgot to mention Howertow. Like, I'm guessing you actually oh played Howertow right, yeah. as well. We played a ton of Howertow, yeah. Right. So Howertow, Anno, uh, we Transcontinental, which was kind of uh, aborted. Like, we still haven't had our real Transcontinental True. game. So looking forward to that. And yes, the... Uh, at least since I've gotten to Texas, it's been all uh, Lahav. And in fact, Matt, it's your turn. We're waiting on you to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll go during uh, Dimitri's segment. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't have to participate or listen. Or yeah. Not. You don't really know what I'm going to say. One thing Paul, you have not game. played Sorry. a lot of games. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Speaking, no, speak, speaking of Paul, there, there's plenty of times when we're like texting each other where it's kind of like, you know, you know it's your turn, right? And it's like, oh, no, I'm out of running errands. And, and like, that's part of asynchronous. There's plenty of times where like we're sitting there and I, like it's Paul's turn. And I'm like, there's a very good chance that Paul has actually played out this round and, undo, and, and hit undo like at least 10 or 11 times. So right. it, that, we just know that's happening right now. And, and that's that true. Uh, you know, it, like, uh, so, you know, uh, preview. I am not good at Lahav, and we can get back to that. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I've I've been playing a, you know, I, pl- I played like you know everything with, that you were playing described, like Merv and Glass Rose. I, I was there. Uh, I taught Jennifer Merv, uh, and that was fun actually, like to try to teach that to to someone. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, like for some reason, like I'm coming to realize that if I haven't played a game recently, I just forget. Sure. Like, you know, like, like about what was it, uh, this year, right? Trey, we were playing through the ages a lot yeah. or was it last year? And I thought I got pretty okay at it. Uh, and now you I did. don't think I remember how to play. <laughs> I'm what, just you, looking you at, tried to play a little, uh, a solo game. No, no. I, I, was AI thinking, game? I was just thinking, no, just thinking about like, Oh, I remember like, oh, you remember playing, it in one turn. Maybe because it, it's the asynchronous aspect. Like you know, we we've been playing a lot of live games, uh, and now we we start asynchronous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we actually like I started asynchronous when Alfred basically had his kid. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so like, and I was going, oh my god! Like I, re- I remember playing this other game. Like like it took me a while to relearn Twa, you know. Um, but yeah, so you know, it, it's that's what I've been playing. It's been I've been kind of busy this week, so I've been kind of in and out. I haven't gotten as many reps as everyone, but yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I was, the, I, I was bummed because I was really looking forward. It was like my one week that I had some time to play, and I was I was bummed that you were unavailable. Uh, Paul, uh, this is not game related, but maybe it is because you gave Tom the greatest gift I think I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I think because you're, you're trying to game your brother-in-law relationship with him. Uh. <laughs> uh like so uh like tom and i and our families do secret santa and i i got him a steak so uh it just happened to be like you know the most expensive steak in the world kind of thing and how did you get uh, it like like physically how did you get it uh let's see i, I looked online and i go like ah, there's gotta be a better way to, than on online and then I, f- I found a butcher in bellflower 
And I just drove down one morning and just got it and then froze it. And I go like, and I thought like, you know, if there's one person who could really, really appreciate this, it would be Tom. And then so like, you know, and, and because I can't personally eat that right now, I, I feel like, you know, vicariously, like I, I feel like, you know, uh, I should give my hard earned like a you know, research to someone. <laughs> it's Wagyu 5, right? It's A five Wagyu, yeah. A five Wagyu, yes. So you well, know that is that's very uh, that's a very kind gift. It's like sixty dollars an ounce uh, at restaurants. Uh, I'm not sure how much it is raw. It, it, it exceeded the Secret Santa budget that we set up for ourselves, but but you know it's 2020. No rules, baby. No rules. Yeah, man. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, since we're probably going to have a long one tonight, because I want to spend a long time talking about Lahav, let's uh, let's get right into the news, of which there is not a ton. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Lahav of South America. All the Let's go to press It's almost like the board game gods knew that this was Dimitri Portnoy's episode because they chose this week to announce a new edition of Tichu. Dimitri. Are you okay? Can you handle this news? Uh, here's the thing. The artwork looks beautiful. I'm definitely going to get this, and I might actually use the cards to play poker uh, as well as team, yeah. because it's so they're, they're so fantastic, in my opinion. The one thing I worry about, these do look like tarot-sized cards, which are not wildly conducive to shuffling, of which you have to do quite a bit in Tichu. So that would be my one. Maybe that's just the way the art looks, but they look longer than your average card. Am I incorrect? Is anybody looking at that image? They look they look very long. Yeah, but, I did but, not uh, notice that. That uh, was looking at cards it on are, my iPhone, are longer than or, or thinner, roughly the size. Uh, of really? Card. Yeah, they're thinner. They're not the size of tarot cards, but they are. They are, I believe they are thinner. I might be making this up, so please, you know. Yeah. Well, it's literally just updated art. Uh, looking to release in March or April of 2021. And who doesn't want just a new beautiful version of Tichu? Are these cards waterproof? That's the important question for Dimitri. <laughs> or are they priced to be rebought? Or is this a 9.99 deck and then, you know, we just buy a couple of them and we know, we know that, uh, you know, we'll have right. to go through Let's them. Go ahead and buy the extra sure. set for the one that, we're gonna ruin at Tom's, <laughs> or just do what I do and, and obsessively sleep. Stains on them, of course. All the fluffs, yeah. But you know, here's the true truth of it. You know, we've we've been so stingy with Dimitri. Like you know, we probably play Pichu <laughs> once a year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you know, it's it, like it, it's it's the you know it's the chirp right. Uh, there's four we could play Tichu. And anyway, uh, how about blah blah. blah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tom plays like 400 games a week with his family. Exactly. Why doesn't he just invite Dimitri over? What's the problem here? Because I would have five. (laughs) Tom has a perfect set of four. Well, and also, and also, I I believe Tom does not think you are good at Tichu. That's not relevant. (laughs) I enjoy (laughs) it so much. It's like telling someone, you're not good at bike riding or you're not good at driving or. You're like that little kid who's just like obsessed, obsessed with basketball. It's like you live for it, and like just you, you you're just you just can't hit a shot. Uh, I am a white teacher player. That's right. <laughs> um, this is interesting news. Teacher. 
Uh, we've moved on, Dimitri. Uh, in interesting news, Fantasy Flight Games um, has a forum that has been around as long as I've been in the hobby. I've used it maybe twice in the history of forever, because why would you use it when BGG exists? Well, I guess uh, they also realized that because they have announced this week that they are permanently shutting down their entire forum. I'll just I'll read you the what the admin wrote. Hello, FFG forum users. For years, we featured forums on our website as a place for our gamers to gather and share their experiences, giving a place to discuss strategy, anticipate upcoming releases, and share homebrew rules and variants. However, in almost every case, the community centered around these games are more active elsewhere. Hmm, wonder where that could be. Whether that's on other websites, in social media groups, or with dedicated Discord servers. We hope you've enjoyed the use of the individual forums for our different product lines. Bah, 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 bah. Goodbye. We can't wait to see you out there. Um, how expensive do you think it is to keep up a forum? I, I literally have no idea. Does anybody have an idea? I think the expense is in moderation. Uh, right. Okay. They have to pay somebody to make sure that the uh, white supremacists don't post all of their uh, weird Star Wars miniature game thoughts. Um, <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, yeah, it, this. I mean, I wonder if this is COVID related. You know, cutting. I wonder, I wonder if people got fired. I wonder if this was. Yeah, well, like you're saying, like cutting moderators. But Matt, it was. It was yes. well populated. You just, what? if you remember, the Fuhrer, uh over uh, the last Jedi. Uh, you don't want to go anywhere near those Star Wars fans. No, that that's possibly true. Uh, so yeah, no more FFG forums. Back to BGG with you. Back to Reddit board game forum. Back to Discord. Um, I bet there are some people who are sad. I bet there's some people who who uh, really had that as like their main community. Um, and I, I hope they find somewhere else to go. I'm not uh, sure that's actually true. Next like, I played up, Game of Thrones LCG, and oh yeah, you like, were never that, yeah. never went to these forums. I, I think they are actually saying. Nobody's really coming here anymore. Um, right. So, like, what's what's the point? And a lot of, yeah, like, they're not even, some of these games, they're not supporting anymore. So why would they have forums for them, too? But Yeah, sure. It's a very, like, aughts thing to have a forum on your website. It seems like most places yeah. have decided, like, the there are social medias now. Yeah, yeah. totally. Exactly. Um, next up, in some litigious news, um, you may not know this, but Etsy uh, is very deep involved in our board game community. There are many, you know, lone artists out there working on their own, making little crafts for board games. And one of the most popular games that people make crafts for is the lovely worker placement woodland creature game Everdell. Um, and Everdell has recently uh, been spotted shutting down these little tiny single person you know, creators making little fancy wooden meeples for your game, or I've actually bought two things for Everdell from Etsy because they were so damn cute. I bought a little uh, walnut-shaped uh, resource holder that goes on the board. It looks like half a walnut opened up and you put your resource in it. It's lovely. And I bought these little maple leaf card holders that the cards sit on that show you the uh, objectives for the round. I did that like a year and a half ago for this game because they were so damn cute. And now they are being served with cease and desists by uh, the uh, company behind Everdell, which is, uh, I believe, Game Salute. Um, I think that sucks. Uh, Dimitri, you're a lawyer. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, this is actually not what I thought it was. Um, it, it, if what you're saying is true, that it cannot possibly hold up. Uh, copyright 
um, is about expression. Um, and it doesn't seem like if you're making something that's not already in the game, you're not copying anything in the game. Uh, you, you, you're just creating an object that can be used in the game and has a purpose. But that copyright is not about function. So, so what, what has happened here, though, is that they're not saying you can't make the things or sell them. They're saying you can't say the name of the game the things you're making are for, and you can't use any of the components in your photographs of your product alongside the game's product, which basically makes, how would you know what, like, it makes them very hard to market because... You can't say what it is. You can't say what it's for. You can't show it on the game board. Uh, that um, is complete baloney uh, because you cannot copyright names or titles. Uh, you can trademark but uh, them, but trademark is not a, 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 it's, it's a, business, it's a business issue. Uh, and it's about does the consumer know who's manufacturing the item? And if the consumer well, you, 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 there is an IP lawyer in agreement with you because there's a BGG thread about this where an Etsy seller entered the thread saying they indeed consulted an IP lawyer. And the IP lawyer said, we can freely use the name Everdell. We can use pictures of the game that we've taken as long as we are specific that we are in no way affiliated with the company and no IP is of being Of course, bad. because trademark is about consumer confusion. And if a consumer goes to Etsy uh, and is buying something handmade, they know that it's not being made by the game manufacturer. So, so this is bull. Uh, the, the, I, I cannot think of a legal theory uh, that would would make this stand up in court. They they have no case. They're just trying to intimidate uh, little Etsy people. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not a good look. Um, so yeah, sorry. The, the company behind this is Starling Games. I think they went by Game Salute. Might own them. I don't. There's some affiliation with Game Salute, unless I'm totally mistaken, in which case I apologize. But yeah, there there are a lot of publishers involved in this, so it's hard to say exactly who is behind this. But it is a bad look, especially since, um, you know, those, especially this time of year, this year, these artists are probably depending on uh, on this income, and uh, yeah, they're getting they're getting shut down, you know, and now they have to sort of deal with this with lawyers and stuff and there's a um yeah here it's not as if uh startling games is making their own holders uh the the, right. the etsy people are not taking any business away from them but, that's correct uh, that is so correct. what are the damages here uh, <laughs> what is etsy supposed to compensate uh, uh starling yeah uh, so yeah, if you, if you are interested in some cool aftermarket Everdell goods, this is probably the week to seek them out on Etsy and uh, support these people and show that um, that this is, as Dimitri says, some bull. Uh, but uh, please, please, uh, I this is not a professional opinion. This is just an opinion. Yes, yes. You always have to. Every lawyer has to say that. We understand. Uh, just briefly, two things were announced. Uh, well, one's on Kickstarter. One's announced. Um, a game that I own that I have yet to play that I'm very excited to play just has not gotten to the table is GMT's uh, Space Empires, which is a 4X game. The third expansion for Space Empires has been announced in their most recent November update. Um, it is called All Good Things. It is available on P500 now. I know we have some listeners who enjoy that game, so um, don't forget to P500 that if that's your jam. 
And lastly, in 18xx news, uh, there is a new 18xx out of which the name I'm going to do my best to pronounce. It's simply called 18 Mag, but Mag is short for Magyarovsvag, uh, which I believe is, I'm imagining is Polish, uh, no, it's I'm going to say. No, Hungarian. Hungarian, yes. Hence, hence Hungarian Railway. The people are called Magyars. uh, Big warriors, uh, and and they're very instrumental in the Austro-Hungarian Empire and repelling Turkey and and drinking blood. Gotcha. Well, this is is interesting for train fans because the designer of this game is Lonnie Orgler, who designed many great uh, train games, including Russian Railroads, 1880 China, 18 CZ, 1848 Australia, 18 Lilliput, uh, 1844, 1854, 1848. I mean, this is royalty in the world of 18xx and also made a lovely Euro called Russian Railroads that we all are big fans of, um, alongside uh, Helmet Oli. I don't like that you don't like that game, but yeah, this is you know if you're a uh, if you're an 18xx person, I would imagine you're interested in 18 mag. Um, so go check it out. It's got twenty about twenty days left on Kickstarter. It is already fully backed. Uh, they hit their goal, so go ahead and back that if you are looking for some lovely 18xx fixes. Um, that's it for news. Um, let's do games on the brain. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, exactly. We've got the man here. Exactly. Hold on. Games, games of the brain. Classic. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains. Oh, baby. Mm. Yeah, Wait, we had we had to go for the real version thing. live right now. <laughs> uh, we'll do that for. Matt, what's on your brain? <laughs> what's on my? Thank you so much, Trey. You're so good at this. I really appreciate it. On my brain is Uwe Rosenberg in like a really crazy way. It, it, it really started with, with Hollertau. Like I was playing Hollertau and I was just, I love it. I was just having so much fun playing it. And I just, and I was like, you know, th- this feels like an Uva game. And then I was like, I got to get Newsford back on the table. And I, I started playing Newsford solo and I was like, this is my, this is the best game. Like there's nothing better than this when I'm playing it. I'm, it's like one of those things with like, when you listen to like a Beatles album or something, you're like, this is the best Beatles album. And then you put another one on, you're like this, no, 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 this is the best Beatles album. That was what I, I felt like that was happening. Then I like finally got Fields of Arl on my table and like played it solo. And I was like, this is the, I mean, I just, I literally just had this, this like two week period where I went through Uba's entire like stack of games that I own. And I was just, I just fell back in love with the guy and all of his games. And it's sort of all, and which is funny because I had no input in uh, choosing Lahav. I mean, it's like, I didn't say it to Dimitri. He came up with it on his own. And I was like, that's so crazy. I'm just like wildly obsessed with Uber Rosenberg. Um, and then, yeah. And I've also, I've just, I've been like only playing Uber Rosenberg and Vital Lacerda games lately. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I like taught on Mars to Ben a, a week ago and really enjoyed that. And we had a great game with Elder. I really want to teach that to Trey soon. And then Kanban EV is shipping this week. I should probably get it, you know, in the next 48 hours or so. And I'm like so excited to play that again. So I don't know. It's, it's been a, not about all the hot Essen newness so much, although there is hot Essen newness from Uva this year. Um, but yeah, it's about just like, I don't know. Lately, I just... There's just nothing better than Uwe Rosenberg and Vital Lacerda games. And that's sort of on my brain. 
Dimitri. Uh, yeah, the game on Dimitri. What's on your yeah, brain? The game on my brain is a LARP called Boy State. Uh, and it's where the American Legion brings 1,200 Texas Eagle Scouts to Austin, where they play politics and government for a week. Oh, there was a the documentary That's about That's right. That. In 2017, they voted for to secede from the Union. And, and that came as a big shock to the American Legion and made big headlines. Uh, and there's a documentary on Apple Plus about what happened in 2018. The next year, uh, so yeah, it's great. I'm not. It, it, it's fantastic. It's my favorite movie of the year after Love and Monsters, and, and I know. <laughs> I, I, I know it's been a. I haven't seen many movies, but I think this would be a contender in almost any year. I don't like LARPs. I don't really like documentaries. I would much rather read a book if I'm interested in a subject. This is riveting. Um, it, it, it's so absorbing. It's so interesting. Paul, it's about what you talk about. The, uh, does game playing reveal character? Uh, and it's about what game playing is. Uh, and it, it, it just, I, I cannot recommend it uh, more highly. Uh, strategy, tactics, rhetoric, uh, how is it all going to turn out? And there are no villains in it. Uh, Trey, have you wonderful. seen it? I have, and uh, I I cried. Like it, it's a surprising oh, wow. movie that that sneaks up on you because, um, like, it's real people. They're not playing roles, and the the process of going through this does reveal a, a, a lot about them. And it, it it's just a tremendously human story. Um, so yeah, like there's boy state, there's also girl state. I of course I'm watching this thinking like I can design a better game than this. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's a great story and there's a lot of humanity there and I think it's a very good film and it's like and it's an interesting experience, but it's also like I'm looking at it, I'm like this is not a good game. You're like there, there's a lot of time there's a lot of time wasting. So I was like I can I can do a better boy state. That was that was my it. thought. One of my thoughts watching it, but it's also like there's some, there's some amazing kids in this and it, you there's real drama it, it, and so it, it's 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 a, it surprisingly resonates i recommend and it, it. it's a nice it's a nice parable as well for sort of the memification of politics that happened in our world where you, you, you know it, a ridiculous idea gains traction because it's funny uh you know which is sort of what happened with um our president <laughs> and uh and also, uh, yeah, what happened with their their call to sort of secede from the union? It was it was just a meme. It was just it was funny, it, you know. We sort of have this echo chamber meme world uh, that leaked out of four chan and became reality. And uh, there there was a, a lot of interesting stuff in the documentary. That for clarity, well. the documentary is not about that year. It's it's for a year no. that, that that follows. That's, right, but it's but, but it's definitely like it's in the background a little bit. Yeah, and it's definitely like affected that year. Yeah, totally. Um, Paul, what's up on your brain? Oh wait, we skipped uh, Trey. Trey, what's up on your brain? No, that's fine. I'll I'll, I'll make it uh, quick. the The thing that's been on my brain these days is like um, looking at how to do games online, how to do social interactions online, and so um, from and I've you know I think I spoke before about running some games, but there's also some new tech out there that's 
like everybody probably knows Discord if you're a gamer and like you can create different rooms so people can move around and have different kinds of conversations. And I like I went to a good uh, online cocktail party last night where you had like multiple rooms set up so you can have conversations with three or four people and it's not 20 people trying to talk at once. Like it's hard enough just for us to do this podcast with four people together. And so like you need the tech to do that. And a couple of new uh, websites that people may want to look at is like one is called gather or gather town and then there's another called remo and both of these are systems that kind of i think both of them kind of sit on top of zoom but might like allow you to have like a little avatar that moves around a space that you can design really easily so you can kind of control who you talk to so if you don't want to talk to dimitri you can move your little <laughs> 8-bit avatar away from him him and talk to Paul, but he's going to find you. He's going to see where you are and come, and so then you have to. But leave. the Dimitri um, avatar will follow you. I mean, won't let won't leave you alone. That's right. So no, you're, like you're in your own little game. It's very realistic. That's amazing. Um, that sounds fun. I, yeah, I have not experienced that part of uh, Discord or social, yeah, Zoom, Zoom world rooms and stuff. But they have to do it right now. Like there's tons, uh, of you know, tons of schools and different experiences that have had to go online. And like, we don't have the best tools for this. They have, they have tools for like having people come in and make announcements and have 50 people listen. They don't actually have great tools for people organically deciding like, okay, I talked to Paul about this. Now I need to talk to Matt. Uh, God, I have to talk to Dimitri. Okay. You know, and like, and actually having some agencies as far as how you do that. Like Zoom has breakout rooms, but generally it's because you'll have a, somebody breaking you up into groups and sending you into your allocated space. Like, and that's yeah. not actually how people want to make decisions about how they socially interact. I've never played like Blood on the Clock Tower, but it sounds like that would work for something like that. It would be tough online, right? Like it's hard enough in person. Really? Okay. Yeah. Really? Right. Okay. Well, there went that fantasy. Um, Paul, what's on your brain, bud? Uh, social games, like, you know, uh, particularly uh, Secret Hitler. <laughs> hmm. uh, I, I played uh, Secret Hitler with Ben and his group uh, a, a couple weeks back, and it was just a very positive experience. Uh, you know, we, we played on Tabletopia uh, and Secret Hitler is still Secret Hitler. There was no new insight, but it was really fun to play a social dedu- deduction game with people that worked pretty well on the uh, on the interface. And that, uh, you know, I, I had a uh, what you call it. Uh, I came in with a certain table image, uh, which, you know, was great. But like the way the game proceeded, it like I exceeded the table image and I, I don't want to say I, I adjusted their meta in a way that I was like, <laughs> ah, yes, there it is. My Avalon training has like, you know, <laughs> uh, and it, it was great. Like, you know, there was a, there was a, I, I was Hitler and like, you know, and there was this huge deliberation and, you know, there was a certainty that I wasn't going to be Hitler by the, the the forces of foolishness, and uh, they uh, they were wrong, and they go like, "So, Paul, are you Hitler?" And I go, "Of course I am." And, it, and jaws dropped, and it was it was it was like the it, it was the perfect game. And I'm not able to eat a lot of steak right now, but it was like the juiciest steak 
And so, <laughs> but, but Paul, uh, speaking of steak, did you feel you were shooting fish in the barrel? No, no, because like uh, I came in, like you know, Ben had primed them, like you know, Paul is Paul. Paul's a, a shark here, you know, and uh, and I, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's true. Uh, but you know, you might not need me now, but you will need me. <laughs> and uh and and you know and i just i did something that was atypical for that their meta and that and that uh was i was talking a lot and in their meta talking a lot means uh that you're not hitler uh Hmm. and i go that is that is not the way i play (laughs) that is not the way (laughs) that is exactly that is not the way Generally, we don't want to describe other groups' metas at using words like bad. Oh, I, I wouldn't say they were bad. I just feel like, you know, they just had an assumption that are, that was not true about how we play. And you educated them. And, and I, I, I said you, that there you was another way. You did a service way. to them. You did a service <laughs> to them. It, that sounds like a, that sounds pretty arrogant. But yeah, I, I think, I think one of the people said like, oh, I've never seen that before. That was totally, you know, uh uh surprising to them and i was like yeah right this is the way well that's your victory condition exactly exactly changing the meta that that that's the only thing i really care about oh not that's not true (laughs) all right well shall we move into our review of the week this week we are reviewing a game all the way back from 2011 my second year in the hobby this was this was the new hotness when I came into this into this world of board games that I love so much. Oh wait, what am I talking about? Not 2011. This is 2008. This was this was a two year old game by the time I get in. I'm so sorry. No, I was thinking of something else. This is 2008, right? So it was still it was two years old when I came into this hobby in mid 2010. Uh, this is of course Uva Rosenberg, artist Clemens Franz, Lookout Games. Uh, and, uh, it is a, uh, one to five player game. I believe the only other game that plays past four players in Uva's, uh, big box repertoire is Noosford. Um, playtime is about 30 minutes to 150 minutes. I, I, yeah, this is a three to four hour game. Um, if you're playing with a full table, um, uh, and I've, I don't, I wouldn't wildly recommend this at five. Um, Two to four is right where you want to be. Uh, it's got a weight, uh, according to BGG, of 3.74, which is about right. I would say, to me personally, this is one of the heavier Uvas, if not the heaviest, um, in terms of uh, strategic depth and in terms of uh, rules overhead and understanding how the cards work together. Um that's basically it. I mean, I'll, I'll, before we move into everybody talking about it, just this is a game about uh, a French harbor, hence Le Havre. Uh, you are shipping goods. You are uh, collecting things, buying boats, putting them on boats, selling the boats, building buildings. Um, this is not a farming game. Um, this is one of the rare non-farming uva themes even a game like noosford has some farming and stuff going you're clearing forests and things there is no forest clearing in this game you don't have your own little world that you're building that's beautiful you are all working on this harbor and building buildings along this harbor and uh it all takes place on the harbor dimitri let's start with you why did you pick Lahav as the game you wanted to review uh, today many reasons one i i found myself recommending it 
to people suddenly. Um, two, uh, when I came up with the theme uh, for the episode, I realized that when Paul and you got to know each other at Tom's game night, we were playing Le Havre religiously. Uh, in yeah. like almost every time we met, which we never did again. Uh, and I thought that La Havre is a beautiful example of exactly the kind of game that we formed the group around and we solidified around. Uh, the other thing that I feel about it is, is that it is thematically the most coherent uh, Uber Rosenberg game in, in that uh, you feel that the actions, what you're doing makes sense uh, with the story. And it's also an example of coopetition, uh, where uniquely in, uh, like, it's not in Agricola, it's not in a lot of other Rosenberg games, but you're just waiting for one of your fellow players to build uh, a, a workshop of some kind or a wharf uh, or, or, or a loading dock that you can use it. Uh, and at the same time, it becomes what Tom calls uh, a, a knife fight in a telephone booth when you're trying to use it before somebody else can steal it from you. Uh, and the choices that you make affect your other players positively and negatively in a way that is as involved and interesting as I've seen uh, in a Euro uh, of a parallel play where you're trying to build your own uh, universe and you're not actually killing the other people. Um, yeah, that's all perfectly said. Let's go to our resident Uwe Rosenberg expert uh, and probably the best uh, Lahav player uh, of the four of us here. Thank um, you. Trey, uh, would you. I'm right help? here. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I thought uh, it was my Trey, turn. Yeah. Will you um, will you just give us uh, a mechanical breakdown of this game? What it's like to play, how it plays, how it differs from other Uva games, and then and then we're going to go to Paul afterwards to tell us what it feels like to play this. But we'd love to hear from you on what the hell this game is. Yeah, this game kind of it does still occupy a somewhat unique place in that in that I it, there's certain things in the game which you find in other games, but I don't feel like there's too many games that are exactly like it. Um, I'm struck that this feels to me now like clearly like almost like a reaction to Agricola where he took the criticisms of Agricola and like and tried to address some of some of them so like in this game you know we're all kind of playing like merchants or captains of industry in Le Havre and we're yes we're kind of competing we're doing different things like on your turn we have kind of like I think this would qualify as mini turns I agree to use I kind agree. of uh, Jen Absolutely. Jennifer's terminology. Uh, the turns are pretty small and incremental, and we're either on our turn grabbing resources from what's called a tender. And um, this would seem somewhat familiar if you played Agricola, where you know you can grab wood or clay, and they're kind of slowly building up over time until one of us takes them and then they go down to zero and then they'll have to build up again. So the decision is often like, what does this resource have to get to when it then becomes worth one of my precious turns in order to grab something? Um, so that's, especially early on in the game, this is one of the main things we're doing is just grabbing resources and which one do you grab on your turn? 
then the game like starts to explode as we play it because we start to have new options of what we can do on our turn. And it, it is, I think, like it's a weird worker placement game where we have a single worker. And like not every turn do we actually place the worker. Sometimes we do the tender and so we don't move our worker. But we do have a worker token that we can place on a building and get a some function. And like one of the things we can do by placing on a building is we can build more buildings with the resources that we have. But this ends up getting giving us additional functionality. So the game it doesn't start small, but it starts with gathering resources. But we're limited in what we can do. And then as we build more buildings, the things that we do start to expand quite a bit. And then we have... Um, a lot of races to kind of like grab certain buildings that we want. And some of it is kind of, as Dimitri was saying, is some is a, almost like a form of cooperation that we're bringing new capabilities in that are available for everybody. Um, but you also can be rewarded. People that come to your buildings generally have to pay you to use them to, uh, you know, and the fee is different depending on the building. Some of them have none, some of them, the more, sig- uh, more significant. I think this kind of, this type of me- mechanism would have already been present in Kalis. It's just kind of like taken to a new level. Like you're building new action spaces. The buildings in this game are new action spaces that you can take. And if you take it for yourself, you don't pay for it. Um, it's also the case that when you are on one of these spaces, no one else can go there. And so there is a lot of interact. There's a lot of blocking. There's both racing to do certain things. And then once you're on a space, sometimes you're incentivized like not to leave it. Not that you're even getting additional benefit from it, but you're gumming up the works of what other people um, want to do. And so like, I don't, it still kind of feels like a, a unique place for this. And I feel like different people play this game. And like, I was, it's nice bringing Paul into this game now because maybe I'm just perceiving it but i feel like paul is making a number of his moves based upon what he thinks i want to do and he's often right like he's he's right in front of me in the turn order right now and it's often the case that paul is doing the thing which is denying me the thing that i want to do so one of the real strengths of the game is like i'm involved in what's happening on other people's turns i can't just be head down playing you know multiplayer solitaire because the thing i want to do is likely to change by the people right in front of me and what they, what they choose to do. And, and uh, this, this game has a lot in common with Nooseford and and especially in one sense that unlike all other Uva games, this isn't this sort of uh, Baroque point salad scoring at the end where sheep are four horses are two stables are five, you know, a room is three points like this. You pull out this whole chart and your score, this is literally who has the most money in front of them? You, you win. Uh, Newsford, I think, is the only other game that does that. That's just, this is cash in hand. Whoever makes the most money at the end of the game wins, and your buildings are worth their value. So that is just straight up money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a very big difference between all other Uva games, I think, and, and this and Newsford, which are both his his games about there boats. There are certain um, interactions among buildings and bonus points uh, that you can get with a little bit of set collection, with a little bit of uh, special qualities. But it's prob- you're right; it's the easiest scoring uh, Uber game. Uh, and yeah, and, and it's very clear who's yes. winning um, <laughs> usually. Uh, although there are there are 
two very distinct strategies in this game. And there are one of the nice things about a game that came out in 2008, there are thousands of pages of strategy on BGG of people discussing this. And this is a game that is played at a very high competitive level. Um, you know, this and Agricola are his two most, you know, uh, tournament worthy and played games. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, away from that now, I think like he, I don't, I don't think he's as interested in that. Yeah, no, this is not a sandbox game at all. I mean, this is, are you going building or shipping? Um, and may the best man win or may the best woman win. Um, it is, you know, it's, and, and you, you can't just do one, but you're definitely going to be focusing on one for most of it. Um, and it's, 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 uh, to me, this feels like, uh, almost like this would definitely appeal to an 18xx gamer in that, in that there are distinct phases of strategy. Um, there are, you know, the, the opening salvos, there are your, you know, people sort of getting their engines going, building up. And then there's a point where all the track is laid, all the trains are bought. Who's going to run their routes the best now? You know, I mean, you definitely hit a point in that, you know, last three or four rounds of the game where all the buildings are bought. That's it. This is the, this is the land we have now. Like who, who got ready for this the best? Who's prepared most for shipping? Who's got all their Coke? Uh, who's got, um, you know, the right ships and the goods to ship them? Uh, who owns the buildings they need in order to, you know, lock them out from other people? And it becomes this very elbowy, mean, uh, dangerous dance that you do in those last few turns. And it's it feels like to, very similar to me to the end of an 18xx where it's like it's almost like, all right, let's get the, uh, the you know the book out here and let's run the numbers and let's see who's going to ship the most. And that, you know that. But that dangerous there. dance um, happens in the context of an extremely functional and polished. Euro, uh, when everything yeah, is yeah. precisely calibrated, um, and, and and we're not talking about a single mechanism. We're talking about multiple mechanisms that mesh together, and we're talking about small turns and like thirty of them, and you feel like the game is just long enough and just big enough to accomplish what you should be able to accomplish. It's precision engineering. This is BMW. This is Porsche. And it's very unique for you. I'm glad to hear you say that because I'm not uh, as big a fan of of you as you are, but I really felt that this is a game that he moved away from, that this is a game that had more influence on other designers uh, like the designers of City of Big Shoulders or, or even the designers uh, of Great Western Trail and that Huey himself moved into uh, a more sandboxy, as you say, a more uniquely uh, worker placement uh, where you have a lot of uh, tree de- uh, decision trees uh, like uh, Feast of Odin uh, like Fields of Arl mm-hmm. that I don't like, but this game I, I I really appreciate. Paul, you famously have been described. Des- you famously have described this game as your kryptonite. Um, it, it's a game that I, I would imagine you've played dozens of times, um, many 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 times for many 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 years, and it's always it always gets a big laugh whenever anybody brings it up because 
it's famously known as the game that you are bad at. And I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> making that judgment. I'm just saying that's, that's the trope in our group uh, when it comes to this game and you. Um, but you also are a player who thrives off interaction. And I actually, if somebody asked me, does Paul like this game? I wouldn't necessarily know how to answer. So I'd really like to hear from you what it feels like, you know, to play Lahav and, and especially your uh, specific experiences with it. Well, uh, first, like, you know, I think Kryptonite, although is, uh, is, a, is apt, you know, it implies that I'm Superman. I would say that, like, <laughs> I would say, like, I'm just a normal person, and this is, like, a knife to my throat. <laughs> because, Why? Why specifically Lahav? Because you are a very strong Euro player. Y- yes. And this is a very... You know, this is a this is a straight up Euro game. Like, why why is this one uh, tough for you? And I, I've thought about this for a while, and it could be a great many things. Like, uh, first thing is, uh, for something like this, I tend to prefer a map, you know, of some sort, like some something to visual see. But like, because it's just a bunch of cards and buildings, and there's no real board, for whatever reason, that gums up my thought process. Uh. Another thing is the game is actually, at least the way I see it, and I, I don't see it perfectly, it, you start, you decide how you're going to, how you're going to play at the mid game, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think in a way I'm not it's decided as, for you in the mid game too. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm, and I'm for whatever reason, uh, I'm not one to really want to submit to that. Like, you know, like, you know, you look, you, you grab a bunch of pieces and then in the mid game, you go like these pieces can, you know, uh, translate to more buildings or more ships. Uh, and the food is going to get you if you don't deal with it, which is happening to me right now. Uh, and, and it's probably something that I'm, I'm all, I always feel like I'm, uh, I'm close to, understanding it but not near grasping it does that make sense it's like i can touch i can touch it with you know like here like for example there are many times in this particular game that we're playing now i go like oh and trey's gonna do this and matt's gonna do this and i have no good options i'm i I always feel like i'm i'm like behind like in front of the wave as it crashes crashes whereas like you know people who are good are actually riding the wave and 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 there's there's in a way this game is very timing based and if you fight the timing of the game you're going to get crushed but my specific way of playing i almost always want to adjust tempo or try something that is probably less conventional and it, in learning not even like playing like i don't even have i don't feel like i have a full grasp of it but every deviation from like i don't want to say standard play but like you know the the set meta proves to be a hundred percent wrong for me like you know like it's i'm always i always feel like i'm fighting underwater um that's really interesting and, and and apt because i I had a, an epiphany this weekend while playing this game quite a bit, both with you guys and also against the AI um, and solo on my own. Um, the The closest analogy to me to this game in, in the movie is the movie Moneyball, um, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I, I don't like baseball at all, but it is an absolute masterpiece. Um, to me, Moneyball is a story about somebody 
who has an idea and they believe in the idea and no one else believes in the idea and they are going to lose for 90 games in a row and then win forever after that. But for those 90 games, it's going to hurt and it's going to suck and you're going to doubt yourself. That to me is almost every turn in Lahav. You're going, I'm just not going to worry about my fish right now. I'm going to take loans. It's going to look bad. I I don't know what it's going towards, but I'm stocking up on steel. I'm stocking up on clay. I'm stocking up on wood. Oh my God, Trey has 40 points. Paul has 60 points. I literally have negative seven points. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Oh my God, I shipped. I have 200 points. I won the game. (laughs) That's like an experience of Lahav. It's it's an exercise in faith. You know, yeah. in some ways. Yeah, it is. It, it is. That to me is like, and I don't think there's any other game that really feels like that. Maybe 18xx to a certain extent, because it's like, you can be in such a hole, but as long as you really stick to this thing, and if you believe it's going to work and you see it, you can pull something out that looked odd. And also, it's one of those, this is notoriously a game that a person who's played it a hundred times and someone who's played it once, you are going to have the most unenjoyable game of your life. There's going to be a 300 point differential between your scores. Like there is, this is not feast for Odin where like, if I played it 10 times and you played it once, you know, I'll beat you by 30. Like you are going to have the worst three hours. I I want to make a small point here that uh, not all the buildings are available at the same time. And the order in which the buildings become available is random. So, Right. It's a setup issue. And, and, yeah, so, yeah, so there, there is variability in this game. There's... And it's not, it's not that the experienced player will win because they have a, a bulletproof superior strategy. It's because they're able to move, move with the punches uh, and, and, and tactically adapt to what's coming in, in, a, in a way that's uh, better than, than uh, a less experienced player. Like, and, and there's also just of, of game knowledge of knowing that, well, what ships for the most? Coke and steel. So you need to have a plan for Coke and steel. Don't waste your time trying to ship bread and furs. It's not, you're going to lose to the Coke and steel person. Um, you know, and, and those are just things of, of just getting to know them. And like, you can't let one person get both wharfs and, you know, which we did in the last game <laughs> very bad for us. Um, you know, you can't let one person get both wharfs and the cokery and the colliery and the abattoir. It's going to be bad. Uh, you know, uh, you, was are, that trade game? Did, did, did yes. you win that game, Trey? Yes, oh, by, by 100 points. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are certain buildings in this game that are the key buildings that are buildings that you guarantee every player who knows what they're doing will visit that building at least one time guaranteed or they, they were not competitive unless they build. So people are racing for those specific buildings. Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, so the, 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 there's not perfect information in the game. There are six cards in the game that are the special buildings that are going to come out from a face down deck. But other than that, it's all perfect information. Everybody knows the only variability in the game is the order the goods come out on the harbor during the first round and also the order of the cards from the buying uh, rows. Um, but once it's revealed at the beginning of the game, the flop, so to speak, where you get to see every building that's out there. Then, then pretty much other than six random buildings that come in that may, that on a game to game basis may or may not have any effect on the actual game at all. Um, it's uh, it's pretty. There's no real surprises that are going to come out throughout the game. I don't think I agree um, that like your first time playing this is so miserable. 
I think it's it's entirely possible you will lose badly. But it is. I've, we play plenty of board games where you feel like, ah, oh, there's nothing I can do. You like you're constrained, and like you get to the point where, like, uh, like in Age of Steam, you can just be like, oh, I'm dead, and there's like I can't yeah. even afford to do anything. I'm completely, you know, uh, in a straitjacket. Lahava is not like that. It's just that oh, other well, people are going to be. I don't think they're going to be much more optimized. People are going to out optimize you, and you're still like if you have a bad game, you're still going to score some points and you're going to do some things. My, my retort to that is like I've had my three worst uh, experiences playing a f- initial game have been Agricola, Lahav, and Age of Steam. As far as like, <laughs> as far as, and all these require uh, some play, and all of them are very deep, and all of them are among my favorites. You know, I no, I, let me regret. I love Age uh, Age of Steam. That's probably my favorite of the three, and I respect Lahav and I respect uh, uh, Agricola. But like, you know, suffice to say, you can have a terrible first game. <laughs> you know, especially uh, if you, you oh, pick sorry. fish. <laughs> I think it's almost what you were speaking to, Paul, of there are a lot of feel bad turns in this game. Even if even when you're playing optimally, there are turns that just feel bad where it's like, yes, I'm taking five clay. Yes, that's the best move. But I I have no idea. I'm not feeding my my I'm not feeding this turn. I'm going to take another loan. It just feels bad. It feels stressful. It's like you're accumulating debt. You know, you have this long term plan for it, but you don't necessarily have any short-term solutions. And and the worst thing you could do is, which is the joke that we always say about Paul, is take fish, right? Like yeah. you have no engine, you need to feed six fish or you're going to take a loan. The casual player will think, well, I'm going to take six fish. But that's literally the worst thing you could do because you have not solved your problem at all. You've just put a Band-Aid on a giant gash you in your forehead. You have to fish. Again. You just gave yourself a fish. Yeah, you, yes, you've survived this round, but now you, you've, all you've done is just lose a turn because you have, you've not solved your problem at all for next round. You're going to have a worse problem next round, and, and you're not building any engine. And so for, for people who are really not great at this game, the one thing that I would say consistently I find that I keep on doing is uh, trying to avoid debt. And that's that's a yeah, mistake. Don't don't bother. Yeah. Like, like, you know, whereas in like Age of Steam, for example, you need to mitigate debt. You know, like you, you're going to have to take some and you're going to have to like control how much you take. Whereas this game, you actually want to take debt because debt is debt can easily be removed easily. As, and as, it will know, save you an action of, of some of mm-hmm. you can use that money as entry fees for other buildings, too. And, and so the real the real uh, the real trick of it in the beginning is to spend enough that you ha- that you can take debt because if you play it wrong, you'll just make enough so that you lose all your money, uh, but you don't take debt, and so you've really haven't progressed your setup. I, I think when I look at what Trey does, for example, or Tom, or anyone else who's better than me, which is everyone, except me, like they sacrifice. <laughs> they they, they sat. You're you're doing well enough now to. Uh, they sacrifice. Uh, a little bit of uh, a piece of paper of debt in order to create infrastructure. And, and if you chase trying to be solvent and neglect infrastructure, you wind up having unenjoyable games, but like, it's really hard to just accumulate debt 
if that is not within your mental uh, portfolio. Which is actually very thematic because in Age of Steam, all the American railroads went bankrupt at the end of the 19th century, but French, French shipping is still enjoying cheese and wine and, and socialized medicine. Um, let's let's move into our final thoughts here. I'm Dimitri. I'm going to go to you last because this is your game, and I want I want you to end this segment. But uh, Trey, let's start with you. I'd really like to hear. You've been playing this game since 2008. You love Uwe Rosenberg. You've played this. I don't know, 50 to 100 times probably. I would love to hear your 2020 review of this 2008 game. Um, I feel like it, it still holds up. I, I went back and, back and checked um, Game Brain. We have this as our 35th best game. And then Matt, you were you and I were the ones who actually put it on our top 20 lists. I think it was your ninth Ooh. favorite. It was my 11th. And it was my number one for many years, I remember. I, I would tell people it was my favorite game. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's still holding up pretty well for me. Like, the, maybe I'm just like more aware of like where he's gone because like he decided to move away from this model, but he almost like can't help himself in that like Uwe Rosenberg. Like, we're playing board games. Board games are supposed to be fun, and yet his games create stress on so many different levels. Like he has these things where like you have to feed your people. If you don't, you're going to take debt and then you're going to pay interest on your debt. And so like every (laughs) single round in this game, and there's 20 rounds in this game, like we have to feed our, our people. And so you're always 20 times, 20 times, (laughs) 20 times (laughs) in a four player game. yeah. Yeah. You have to feed your people. And it's like, and strangely that it still ends up being kind of like fun, but like these stressors are a big part of his game. And even now that he's moving away from that, like you don't like, I think what uh feast road was the last time you like had to feed your people maybe, but yeah, like when we play Ho- Hollertown now, well, in Holler- Hollertown, you have to feed a whole village now or else you're going to lose. <laughs> well, you're, 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 you've got all these like mini contracts in order to move your community center. And like the game can feel like I'm just paying my bills. Like I'm falling behind. Like other people are paying their bills better than I am. That's why Bruce is winning, and he's really good at paying his bills. And like that's that's a funny thing that like some of our favorite games have these kind of you know uh, negative stressors. Um, I do think one thing like it's a and you were kind of pointing towards it. Like you were saying, like there's two strategies in this game. I'm not sure there's even two. Like I, I think ultimately this really is about like you know getting to steal shipping getting to steal one, like you're going to do stuff with steel. You need to get to steal and like your buildings help you, you get to get to steal. And um, the, the build, like the buildings are not especially well balanced. I don't think it matters that much, but there are definitely bad buildings in this game and there are good buildings. And like, you need to play the game multiple times to kind of know, Oh, you know, these buildings are like the key buildings and you need to prioritize. Like you, you really need to be jockeying for these things in a hard way if you want to um, play the game competitively. So I'm not sure that that's great. Like there's a lot of games where we look at it and say like, there's many different strategies and like these different strategies can be valid and they'll be very different. You can, you know, zag when other people are zigging and be successful. I'm not sure that's true um, uh, of, of this game. It's more like we all need to get to steal and we're elbowing each other out of the way as we try to, to get there um as a final thought we've been playing this game asynchronously and 
I think it's been pretty good. I think it played much better at three asynchronously. But I, I'm not sure this is actually a great game for asynchronous because the turns are like too small. Um, I, I think like we've we've played some through the ages. Through the ages is a better asynchronous game because the turns are meatier. Like here, like we're waiting. It, 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 it is hard to remember your strategy. I, I do find that. Like I come to it, I'm like, right, what was I doing? I had a whole plan. Yeah. But we're also like off, like we're going to have 20 rounds in which we have to feed our people. And we are often hung up with like, ugh, you know, some, you know, please, Paul, feed your people. You're like, we're waiting, you know, kind of thing. I can't take my turn yeah. until you feed, feed your people. So like, it's all like the turns. In 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 a in person game would be fine, but asynchronously it's just it's a little too uh, start and stop. They're long. It, it's a long. It takes a long time to to complete a, an asynchronous game of Lahav. That being said, the app is solid. Um, it, it it does its job well. I, I don't have too many complaints. Um, Dimitri had some issues with it, and I'd love to hear from him on that when we get to his uh, his finale on here. But um, but yeah, one, I, one I, I'd, I'd say this one is, this is one of the better ones. Yeah, I can't think of another like this game has a weird thing, which is that the you have asynchronous, not asynchronous, uh, asymmetrical rounds in this game. The way it works is like there's going to be seven turns every round of the game, and we're playing four people, and so like we go through our turns. You know, Paul, Trey, Dimitri, Matt. There are times where your entire round is a single action. And like One that's time. a like right yeah. that happens like every four or five rounds yeah every fourth round every fourth round but it, it it's a it's a weird thing where you have these asymmetrical rounds and I don't know if I've seen that so much in other games yeah and that can be frustrating too if you miscalculate that and realize that you're not going to go again before the end of the round and yeah you just yeah, I really yourself. needed to build that ship and now I can't yep exactly. Paul, uh, review Kryptonite. Uh, so uh, it's a it's it's a remarkable. Pre- it's like a uh, a Swiss watch. You know the gears kind of all go together, and like if you can get the gears to work perfectly, you have something that will last a lifetime. It's I I definitely respect it. Uh, this feels like the switch the Swiss watch that was on the wrist of the murderer of my father. <laughs> because, <laughs> because like although i respect the watch like i feel it stabbed me in the heart for so so many times that i have so much baggage associated with this like you know every, every single thing is like i can't play it perfectly because uh or at least even well because there's so much baggage associated with it for me uh but i th- you know, like if you if I were to divorce my feelings, which is remarkably easy for me to do because you know I'm a robot. Uh, it's y- you have to respect it. Like you know, the, the, it's all it all works well. Like you know, some things like you know the fact. That, I think Trey's right. I think you have to go for steel. Like you know that you or have some way to get steel and ha- have some mechanisms to go towards that. And all the buildings are not equal, but. I don't think this game is meant for uh, people to come together and try it once and go, oh, let's see. I think this is a, this is a game of study. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you approach it that way, I think it can probably be very rewarding. The same way that Age of Steam is, the same way that Agricola is. Um, and really, in, like, I'm a person who really enjoys social interactions. Uh, this game does not 
have that as much. But what it does do is it really puts people, you know, if you're playing at a, at a good level, it pits people against each other in a way that I haven't actually experienced in a lot of games. Like there are things that are similar, but like this one, for whatever reason, hurts more. Mm-hmm. You know, it hurts more. And I'm a person who probably enjoys a little more full contact uh, feeling punching. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so yeah, so I, I, I respect this. I'm not good at it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I can't say I love it, but like if it were to come out, uh, my, my biggest, uh, uh, what you call it, my biggest compliment to it is if it were to come out 2020, and you were to play this, I go like, oh, this is a lot, a lot of things. This is a really good game, blah, blah, blah. If it were, if you erase the emotional damage, I think yeah. this would come out and it would be, you know, a, a very, very good game. Highly praised. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to keep my thoughts brief because obviously I love this game. But uh, but w- one thing that's clear is that board games today, especially heavy Euros, are much more designed for a good first play. Um, and a very good second play and a very good third play and often a very good fifth play, but not necessarily a great 10th play. Um, this comes from an era where I think board games weren't as concerned about the first play or the first two or three plays, because this is a game that is great on its 10th play and great on its 30th, 50th, maybe even 100th play. Um, I think this is a game that you could have in a small collection and always play it. It, it it demands a lot of play um but i do think it gives back what you put in i have been playing this game for 11 years now and i'm still kind of in awe of it and love it um yeah the last time like a modern euro came out that i felt this way about was barrage was was like where you're playing it and you're like oh wow this i could be playing this forever like this there is so much to explore here, but also like just the, 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 the moment to moment decisions are agonizing, agonizing decisions in this game, which is so funny because it's a micro turn, but they, they, they hurt like a major turn. <laughs> like their every decision is so agonizing. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a 10 for me. This is a 10. This is one of the few tens, uh, that I've ever played. Dimitri, uh, take us the home. Two baby. adjectives that I would use to describe this game. Uh, building on uh, what you guys are saying, are timeless and uncompromising. And this is a game that isn't just tough on the players, but I really feel that Uwe was uncompromising on himself and stretched himself as a designer uh, to do things that made them uncomfortable, uh, like use other mechanisms and water placement. And he really achieved something, and then he stepped back from it. Uh, but this is possibly a platonic ideal of a Euro. Uh, I really think that if you're a fan of Euros, you should play this. Uh, because not only will you find it challenging and rewarding and incredibly painful and frustrating, which is why I did not include it in my top 20, <laughs> uh, because I, 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 I'm a sensitive and soft soul. Uh, but this is a game uh, that is so solid 
and, 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 and like so Webster's definition of what the euro should be, that it's almost a gateway game. Uh, if you play this, you can pretty much master almost anything else that's out there. Um, and this is not a very tough teach. This is this is like half no, the teach of Barrage, true. I think. Yeah, I agree. I would still call this a heavy euro, though. To me, this is almost like the quintessential heavy euro in a lot of ways. But which is interesting because it is an easy teach. But I think it's, I think it's very complicated <laughs> to, to understand. As well, well, yes, but it's an easy teach. You always have choices. You're always doing something. Um, it, there's a lot of things that. Um, inexperienced players or lazy players like me are afraid of. Uh, And this game does not really do that. This game punishes you in terms of not letting you have the optimal choice a lot of the time, but it never leaves you no choice at all, like happens all the time in Age of Steam. Or Agricola, for that matter. Yeah. That's true. There's always something that feels like you're furthering your goals as long as you're And I want to say that if this is your first time playing Age of Steam, uh, the iPhone is not a good idea. Uh, It just, you know, too much information is compressed. Uh, But I actually feel that the app works really smoothly. Uh, It's much better than uh, any BGA that I've played, and BGA is my gold standard. Uh, it froze a couple of times for me. Uh, I don't like how the pop-ups work, uh, but I assume on an iPad uh, it's beautiful. It's not the way to play it, but for six ninety-five, it's possibly the way to learn uh, so that when we can mm-hmm. play again, uh, we can really come out bruised and bloody. Yeah, it, it plays great on iPad. I, I don't mind it on a phone. I do agree it is it is small. So, you know, but it may be, you know, if you have one of those big iPhones or, or big Samsungs, it doesn't look so bad. Um, it uh, requires Game Center, which is Apple's proprietary uh, online game service. Um, it's not super easy. You can't just like join an online game with strangers. You have to add friends through Game Center and invite them and do it like that. So um, there are a lot of apps that make it very easy to get online games. This does not. Um, the app works fine. Just for the consumers out there, this is a sold-out board game. Um, the print is sold out at the moment. Um, it's not hard to find used copies if you're dying to as well. Um, but yeah, try the app first. I think it's yeah, $6.99, $7.99, one of those. It, the app's been around for eight years. Um, it's not very well supported anymore, but th- there's really nothing wrong with it. So there's nothing to really fix. The you, For $2, you can get the small expansion, which is La Hambo, which is just a deck of extra special cards. If you want to spend $2 on it, go for it. You maybe will see a couple of those cards every 20 games. Um, not a big deal either way. I own the expansion in real life, and I, I just throw them in with the rest. It's just a couple extra special cards. And again, you only see about six extra ex- six of those cards every single time you play. And there's like a deck of 40 already in the base game. Um, ideal player counts. Um, wouldn't recommend five. I think it's a little crazy and probably be five hours. Um, not horrible, though. We've done it. Great at two, great at three, great at four. If you're just a solo player, you can do a lot better with Uva solo games. I would not recommend this as one of his best solo games. It's a pretty bog standard, beat your score, learn the game kind of solo. Um, 
but yeah, if you if if you're just a solo gamer, this is not the Uva solo game. You 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 want to look towards uh, Feast or Nooseford or uh, Glass Road. Um, that's it. Anybody else want to chime in with anything we forgot to mention? Nope. All right, we're good. Moving on, Dimitri. I now hand over the reins of this podcast, my my <laughs> child, my baby, my love. This podcast, I give it to you on a velvet pillow. Tell us a story, my uh, friend. Okay, so uh, why do we play heavy euros? Or, or why do I play heavy euros? Why do I allow myself to be punished and humiliated every night when I lose 10 times as much as I win? Um, and I don't really like puzzles. I like storytelling. I like po- problem solving. I like conversation. I would almost rather do anything else other than play games. And the reason that I play games and the reason I play heavy euros uh, is because it's how I meet uh, friends uh, and it's how I get to know people and how I solidify relationships. Um, When poker kind of does it, but doesn't really, and almost nothing else that I can think of does uh, to this extent, other than maybe work, uh, but work is work and games are play. Uh, and, and, and so in this COVID isolation uh, of the last several months, I've been thinking, is there something specifically about the games that we play as game learning, uh and most of our listeners play? Uh, is there something specifically about medium heavy euros that promotes getting to know the other players on a personal level, getting to know them? Uh, and I've come up with seven things that heavy euros. <laughs> it's a always list. a list. Yes. Uh, uh, qualities that I feel promote for forming relationships and getting to know people that party games and specifically and I'm going to frack Tom because he's not here and I can shoot him in the in the back from behind uh, games that Tom Jeez. loves like like ricochet robots and pitch card that he thinks are fun uh, but actually don't do <laughs> uh, anything uh, to, to 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 enjoy other people uh, that qualities that those games lack uh, so I, I'm I'm just gonna throw throw them out, um, and, and then later I'll, I'll I'll try to discuss how uh, fun party games fail miserably. Uh, so can I can I can I gussy up your list a little bit? Absolutely, you I'll I'll pause and anyone can jump in. Right. No, no, no! I, I I was just gonna go number seven. Oh, we're gonna go in the reverse order. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, sure. I thought you were going to count them down. All right, let's go. Ready? Number yeah, one. Not in any particular order. They're not like from least to most important or something like that. So thank you so much, Matt. You're, you're... <laughs> go ahead. Number one. So, so the thing one. that Tom, I'm going to shoot him in the back one more time. The thing that Tom hates or claims to hate, multiplayer solitaire, uh, is actually conducive to forming friendships 
because it's less direct inf- interaction means we're not killing each other. We're not killing each other's troops on the board. We're, we're not destroying each other's uh, kingdoms. So no one's feelings get hurt. Uh, and I am the person who's going to get mad when somebody hurts me, uh, when somebody takes my money or kills my meeples or, or destroys my beautiful little factory. Uh, but in Le Havre, I can only get mad at myself, and that's okay. Uh, so I can talk to Paul at, or to, or even to Trey, uh, and of course to Matt, and, 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 and not be like bristling and, and growling all the time. So it it becomes a, a lubrication to, to a social conversation. Uh, it becomes uh, less, you feel stressed, but that anger isn't directed at the other people. That anger is not directed at the other players. That anger is directed at the game and at your own inability. Uh, yeah, okay. And number two, the game. Wait, wait, wait. No, Matt. Matt, oh, Matt has to do oh. it. Oh. No, 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 number <laughs> two. The games are designed to be hard for everybody. Uh, everybody is struggling. Uh, even Trey is sometimes struggling. And Trey, you're wonderful at expressing frustration with yourself. Uh, <laughs> so no one needs to feel what stupid. What does that mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and, and it, you're in the same boat. What a, some, whether you're sinking or swimming, you're in the same boat. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Oh, number three. The games are boring. Uh, while you're waiting for some, you know, six other people ahead of you to take their turn, uh, you're going to have to find something to do, with, something to think about. So you'll start up a conversation. Uh, and there's plenty of opportunity <laughs> to make jokes, to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, to display all your quirks and weirdnesses and delightful things. So at the end of a four-hour La Havre game, I, I haven't just built a port, but I also found out a little bit about what makes uh, Paul tick uh, or, or, or what the latest 20 jokes that uh, Matt can improvise. Uh, are uh, and and of course the worst movies, the good books. Basically, that's point number three. Four, wait, yeah. Matt, hold on. I'm working. <laughs> okay, you get to meet people you wouldn't have otherwise, uh, because an interest in games is random and self-selected. Uh, and you don't know who's coming to game night. Uh, is it going to be somebody from Tom's Presbyterian Church? Uh, I never would have met otherwise. Is it going to be Tom's brother-in-law? Is it going to be another screenwriter who shares Tom's manager or agent? It's a surprise. And 
they're going to be interested in the games. You're not, you're not going to try to invent something to entertain them. That's not your responsibility. The game does the entertaining for you. And you have a selection of random but uniquely qualified people, uh, most of whom are also going to have something to say about other things than gaming uh, because gamers don't only play games. They, they have to have jobs. They have to have interests. They have families. They have friends. They have things to talk about. That was number four. <laughs> I didn't understand that. I, I, I need subtitles, but basically, Euro games need to be carefully studied. When you're, you have to look at the board, you have to look at the pieces, you have to read complicated rules on little player aids. So they're played in bright light and relatively quiet. Tom plays music. Uh, I have memorized his entire playlist by heart. Uh, but basically, it's a nice, bright, safe environment uh, where I don't feel like fleeing uh, because it's like loud and dark and scary. Number six. Uh, so heavy euros are more left brain analytical, spatial and math thinking. And that leaves the right side of my brain to wander around and free associate and talk and, and say nonsense, which endears me so much to everybody. Well, uh, out, out of fear of, of getting copyright infringed, I'll go, all seven and we'll watch them fall. <laughs> so uh, heavy euros need a specific number of players to get together. Uh, often, the, like Matt, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for setting up the games, which you often do in advance. So you need coordination, you need playing. Uh, and so you're invested in, in having a good time and having a pleasant time. You, 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 you've basically planned this in advance. You've done a lot to make it happen. You're not there to uh, just go, oh, this sucks. Uh, I'm leaving. You're going to give it your best shot because you've already sunk the costs, which means that everybody there is motivated to be on their best behavior Except one person that we're not going to name. Damn! <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, so... Uh, Q11 people wondering if it's them. It's me. But, but, uh, uh, and there we have it, everyone. Uh, the world, according to Dimitri. Like, you know, these are hard, fast and laws. And I love party like, games. You know, I like, love uh, wavelength. Uh, I these love are Avalon, absolutely true for all but, people. So uh, go out and enjoy your games. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Uh, You didn't hear them. My call connection has failed. So sorry. I'll shut up. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's fine. Uh, My favorite part is that friendships are made because Euro games are boring, Um, which at first blush is funny, but... There is some, something to be said for, you know, we have long turns and people often have to think. And you're not wrong that that actually does lead to side conversations happening um, that wouldn't happen in, you know, a fast, breezy game. Um, 
but yeah, anyone, anyone have some thoughts on this Trey? Got any thoughts? Um, I think we should take uh, bets on the number of podcasts, other podcasts that will do segments on why <laughs> it's wrong about this. Like how, how many train related podcasts will uh, offer rebuttals <laughs> to uh, this segment? I, I think it is uh, appropriately uh, provocative. And, if uh, if they do, I just disagree. Yeah. If if any podcast does base an entire episode on this podcast, I do ask that you retain my numbers. <laughs> I think it's 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 interesting. You know, like Dimitri has a unique perspective. You know, clearly, uh, I, I there's a lot I don't uh, agree with there because like. I obviously find board games highly engaging. They're not boring. And I, I feel <laughs> like when we're at our like maximum engagement with other players and, and like we're, we're bumping elbows and I'm highly aware of what other people are trying to do. And I've got a high level of, of focus. Like this is actually where I, I get to know people better. I feel. And like, if, if somebody's not playing a good game, like, well, I'm learning something about them, but it's not, something necessarily good uh i don't i'm not feel like i'm making friends with like the chit chat that happens in between games i I feel like like good games often reveal character and like uh you know our friend uh scott who's who we met through tom like he'll he the first time he met me he will never forgive me for a game we played in which he feels like i did a, a, a dishonorable thing in the way that i played that game and he drew a lot of conclusions about me and like, I'm okay with that. Like games do reveal um, character. I, I think like some of the most interesting thing about our group here is actually like how we have opinions about other people, other co-hosts on this show based upon how they play, like the people they are in ways that matter to this podcast are like how they play the, or how they actually play games. So I, I just, so some of that I, I, I just feel like, okay, this is, this is Dimitri's perspective. Um, and maybe I'm just more of a, more of a nerd where like that um, engagement and the actual conflict is the stuff that keeps me coming up. And I'm like, I'm a really good friend with Paul because like, I, I know I'm going to get a kind of brutal game from him and that's exactly <laughs> what I want. Right. And also, Dimitri uh, doesn't really enter into the state of flow that we often talk about in these games. He's not, that's not really, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dimitri, but I, I don't believe that's something that you experience during these games. Like, we're often, some of us will just be our brains set of a light in these games, and the time passes like some sort of time machine, and we're so, that every turn is so exciting, and we're all bouncing off each other. and. I feel like that's not necessarily an experience. Uh, you're you're that right. You I experienced flaw, fl- flow. Sorry, flaw. I experienced flow in writing and in conversation, uh, and uh, I don't experience flow in games. Uh, I'm an excellent test taker, uh, like standardized exams and college tests, uh, because I experience flow by myself uh, when I shut everything out uh, and I have order in my own universe where I have perfect control. Uh, And a game is not that. Uh, And the communal flow is something I'll push away 
uh, if, if I sense it happening, uh, because it, it's icky. <laughs> uh, icky, icky, yes. Well, you know, for me, like, it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, like, so we all play games together. And I think we're all good friends. And it's, it's a testament to games, heavy uh, or otherwise, that we're able to have this camaraderie, uh, despite having vastly different experiences, apparently. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm probably, uh, like, I, I'm, I'm a person who really enjoys uh, pushing people and seeing how they react. Uh, I push Trey, Matt, Dimitri, Tom, everyone. Uh, and it, I think it is what I enjoy about uh, the game and what I enjoy about the people. Uh, uh, but I think in a way, like, you know, I, I see, you know, though I, I'm far from totally agree with Dimitri, I see his perspective. You know, there, some of the, some of the, you know, my heartiest laughs come from, the you know the banter that comes from the board games like and you know in a heavy board game like requires a bunch of time generally and that time is spent together and that togetherness is actually what really i i feel brings people together well that sounds very redundant that's not nearly as eloquent as i thought but you know it's it's the idea of like we are spending hours sitting around looking at cardboard and plastic and maybe some metal and uh and whether it's because we're focused on how to optimize our game or how someone is uh making a joke or talking about you know some movie like you know we're all bonding together and i think that's what you know uh is really good about a a, a heavy euro for example is that it affords so many different experiences that we can sit together for our like like what else can you do that's four hours in the room? Uh, that's like dinner is an hour and a half. Uh, and, and the thing is, uh, and if you go to a movie, you can't talk. Uh, I, Paul, I, I completely, totally agree with your analysis that four hours of sitting around is a lot of together. Uh, but it's also the boredom, I think, is necessary. Because at dinner, you always have to be talking. You, 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 you can't stand silence in social situations. Uh, you, you have to fill it with something. But on game night, if there's no talking for 10 minutes while somebody's thinking about their move, that's perfectly okay. Uh, you don't feel pressure to interact until you really want to, and until the other person wants to. Uh, it's an excuse uh, to have boring silence that's not awkward, uh, but is actually expected. That's actually- that is something that's very specific to our hobby. When, whenever I tell people the length of the games we play, they're it's like they're like horrified. I mean, like <laughs> the idea of of sitting down and playing a board game that's longer than an hour is like, we forget that that's a shocking notion to people like, like a four to six hour game is nothing. 
to me. Like that's like does doesn't even sound odd. Like, but I think to anybody, like like us, I'll sometimes see on like the I I I read Reddit on board game. Uh, uh sorry, the, the board game Reddit a lot, and you get a lot of you know new players and casual players, and they're like, you know, my group doesn't want anything over ninety minutes, and I'm like. I don't even own a game you could play in night. Like, what is that? Like, it's so, you know, I, I think we forget like that. Yeah. We, we spend like, like a, like a game night is like, you got to be in for eight to midnight minimum, you know, like, and, and that's, that's a lot of and time you know to spend with people. Not, I'm sorry. And so it's like, I, no, no, I was you know that you're not going to leave. You've invested the time you're there. You're stuck with these people. And, and and to me that again, <laughs> yeah, but and it's, it's boring. It's license. Uh, even if you say something awkward or wrong, even if you hurt someone's feelings, that's okay. It, it you know it it it's a ripple in a stream that's going to flow for so long that by the end of the night, almost everything will be forgiven and forgotten. And you know how like you get to know like like you might have a friend that you've known for years and years and years, but like you don't really know them till you go on a vacation with them. Like just having dinner with somebody like twice a week for five years, like you learn more about them in like one flight, like to, you know, like one like six hour flight across the country and one night in a hotel room than you did in like ten years of having dinner with them. Like and and I because people let their guard down and you get into their you know, you, you see their routine, like you, you know, Oh, this person gets hungry at this hour or they get cranky or they, you know, they need, they need to take a little walk or like you see people's, you know, the things that they're able to hide in a two hour social setting come out. And that, and that happens in our game night. Also, we, we get to know each other's, um, the idiosyncrasies. The and, yeah. But, but also, and just our routines as well, or like, you know, our, you know, like, but just you know the, the little humanness of 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 you know whether it's a biological thing or you know needing to take Advil after three hours if you have any like we all know each other's like little tiny weird things that you would only know if you would like you know shared a hotel room and we've also mostly all shared hotel rooms with each other on board game related uh, and, and I want to well say that that was exactly the experience I had with Trey uh, by the time Trey joined Tom's game night I'd known him for I think over fifteen years. We went to school together. We hung out. We never actually had a conversation, I think, of any length uh, or a meaningful conversation until I actually got to know him at game night. Yeah, it's a special thing. And I, I, th- I think you've hit on something there. I think, uh, I think your list is absurd, but also wonderful. <laughs> Absurdly like wonderful. You. That's right. There you go. Revealing character um, once again. <laughs> Dimitri, uh, before we try to get a sommelier two out, um, anything else you wanted to add to that uh, wonderful well, segment? I, 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 I want to talk about something that Annie Duke said. Uh, she's a very famous, uh, very accomplished poker player. Uh, and she said this on a wonderful yeah. podcast called Conversations with Tyler. Uh, And she talked about uh, two different things. She talked about expected utility and goals. Uh, And the example that they brought up is a date and when your goal is marriage. Uh, The uh, 
uh, the odds that on any given date with the fir- first date, you're going to meet the person you're going to marry are like tiny, like 2.5% maybe is something they both agreed on. Uh, mm-hmm. But the goal is, is still admirable. Uh, and people can have both a goal and expected utility in mind. Uh, that they enrich each other. They may contradict contradict each other, but having a goal and having expected utility, knowing the odds are necessary, uh, both of them uh, for the same person. And game night is a perfect illustration of that uh, because the expected utility of playing games is uh, having fun, uh, being intellectually challenged, passing the time, uh, solving a puzzle, but the goal uh, can be forming friendships, uh, getting to know other people, uh, getting to trust people, uh, and uh, forming lasting relationships. Uh, and that's the goal. Uh, and heavy euros for me balance perfectly those two aspects. In terms of paying off in the expected utility uh, and also promoting what a lot of us, I think most of us, I think maybe even all of us really want. Or the goal of board game night is to play board games (laughs) and have fun doing so. No, I, mean, I think this is like a different perspective. It's like my my I'm not I'm not I'm not going to board game night to to make friends. Good friends have happened, but that was that was not that was not the goal. Like I, I don't know, maybe I yeah I I enjoy playing the game. No, it, it <laughs> that's the fun. It's ironic. That it, is the fun. It is not. It is not my goal as well. And and I I have made friendships along the way, um, and I don't think I would enjoy playing the games with people that I wasn't feeling friendly with. Um, but yeah, my, my main, the, my driving force is the games. Um, and yeah, at least, I mean, when I showed up that time to Tom's game night, you know, with no idea who was there and knowing no one there and just having like a random walking in and be like, who are these people? Um, yeah, I was there just for the games and I probably would have stuck around for a while, even if I didn't end up liking you guys. Yeah, you weren't thinking, "Hey, here's a bunch of grown men that maybe I could become friends with." No, in fact, I had no plans at all of making friends with any of you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yet, it happened. So, doesn't right. that actually prove my point? Yeah. Or, or I just really want to play <laughs> games that much. Fortunately, it could be know. both. There's no contradiction. There's no. It, contradiction. Yeah, it, it is. I feel like I got lucky and got both. I happened to make some of my best friends I've ever had while also playing games that I obsessively think about and want to play every day. It's perfect. It's the perfect marriage. Anything else, D, before we jump into Let's the game? Let's jump into Samals? the game Samals. Let's do it. Sometimes a player just got to know. Cool, let's go ahead and get right into this. Um, <laughs> every time now. It's funny. Every time. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> there's just something funny about cutting we Tom love, off. We love you, we love you, Tom. Wait, 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 Matt. What about our eight by eight challenge? We totally skipped over that. What's the first letter, Matt? Age of Steam Acolyte writes, Hey folks, long-time listener, thank you for the podcast, especially this year. I recently discovered Martin Wallace's magnum opus that is the 2002 classic Age of Steam. Obsessed is probably too gentle a term. Needless to say, lots of maps found their way to my shelves. My question to the group is, what are some of your favorite hidden gem maps? I promise my wife I won't hunt down all 160 available maps, so we need the inside scoop so I can be more selective. Thanks again for the podcast. Happy holidays to all. I have quite a selection. uh, I have one. Go ahead. Go ahead. That I absolutely love. And it's the moon map with the dark side of the moon and the light Mm, side of the moon. I adore that. Uh, It has features that I don't think other maps have. It's really super fun. It adds a science fiction theme. It's really intuitive. It's really thematic. That's my, that's my contribution to this conversation. Yes. So there are two sort of go-to maps that everybody loves outside of the, the ones published by, uh, uh, the publisher. Um, so the first is uh, the moon, which is by Alban Viard, who is a, a, a well-renowned uh, uh, age of steam map producer, as well as a designer of great games uh, that are not age of steam, but the moon and Berlin wall usually come together in a, on two sides of the same board or in a two pack. And then uh, there is one called Montreal Metro by Michael Webb. That is uh considered uh, one of the best maps and definitely the best at three. But the answer to your question is really about your player count because uh, when collecting Age of Steam maps, it's often about trying to get the best map for each player count. So I'm just going to very quickly rattle off my favorites um, and 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 sort of uh, this is uh, taken from a lot of research because I got as well equally obsessed with Age of Steam at one point and was collecting a lot of maps. Uh, Montreal Metro 3, hands down the best. I'm not going to recommend... Um, many two-player uh, Age of Steam maps. I'm, I'm not going to recommend any. Um, Ireland is another good three. Uh, Scandinavia, three at four. Uh, Korea, three and four. Moon, three and four. Berlin Wall, three and four. Rust Belt, four. If you own Age of Steam, you have it. China, four, five. Mexico, five, six. England and Wales, six. Um, those are, I think, the must-have maps per those player counts. There may be other Age of Steam players out there that uh, disagree with that, but th- those are sort of the general consensus of very good maps at those player counts, and those are usually uh, tight. So those are those maps. People, there's you know you can you, there are Age of Steam maps that are tight and loose, um, and that those are, are people you know who like Age of Steam usually like the maps pretty tight. Anybody else have any Age of Steam recommendations? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm I'm I know Tom would say Korea. Uh, not just for the yep. three four aspect, but because no, Korea is fun. Yeah, uh, because like uh, with Korea, like like every Age of Steam map has a defining rule, right? In in Korea, uh, the cities you uh, you the colors of the cities that you uh, what you call it deliver to keep changing, and so that 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 makes that adds a very interesting t- tension. Uh, I, I like England Wales uh, because there's only one red uh, uh, one red uh, tile, and that's England, and that causes a a certain tension for everyone to fight with. That I like uh, one that isn't on your list, Matt. That I tend to like, uh, or I've played once and I thought was really really fun, which is Italy. 
mm-hmm. Italy was really fun. It has it does something with debt that is unique to Age of Steam. So you know, uh, I, I think that was a, a really fun uh, map for me. Um, yeah, and a lot of these can be got on eBay or directly through the publishers. I know Alvin Viard sells a lot of uh, his, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun little cottage industry of of uh, great Age of Steam maps out there. Vital Lacerda, I believe, has a Portugal map that I haven't played that came out a year or two ago that people seem to like. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun designers dip their toe into the Age of Steam world, of course, because it's a masterpiece. Uh, last one. Here we go. First, uh, this is from Ian from Boston. First, I want to thank you so much for putting on this podcast. I've been in the hobby for about two years now, primarily playing games with my now seven-year-old son. The longer I've been in the hobby, the more I have been more and more interested in heavy games, which sometimes, but not always, will miss the mark with my son. 2020 was going to be the year I would make adult board gaming friends to play heavier games. But after attending a handful of game nights and my first convention in February, that was cut to an abrupt halt. I would assume also the pandemic affected that. Uh, <laughs> listening to your podcast had helped me through this difficult year of relative isolation, so thank you. Thankfully, I still have my own in-game, in-home board game partner. Continuing to grow our collection, we have had our share of hits and misses. His favorite game is Galaxy Trucker, which, while still a fun game, loses its flavor after 30 plays. I would agree with that. Earlier this year, we picked up Jaws the Lion, Gloomhaven, and almost immediately after picking up OG Gloomhaven, which has absolutely hit the mark for both of us. This really checks all the boxes. Some recent acquisitions that have really bounced off my son have been Maracaibo, Feast for Odin, and Concordia. The Concordia purchase especially stings because I think I would really love it, but without a solo mode, it just collects dust. We both recently performed the exercise to each make our 10 lists independently, or top 10 lists independently, crossover being Great Western Trail, Everdell, Gloomhaven, Terraforming Mars, and Clank. Gloomhaven being the most recent addition will likely occupy us for some time, but I wanted to reach out and see if you have any suggestions for potential games. Thanks again for the excellent podcast, Ian from Boston. Anybody got any recommendations for him that he uh, you think he and his son would like based on what they have said they enjoy? Uh, based on terraforming Mars, maybe Race for the Galaxy. Yeah, uh, that's a goodie. That's a goodie. Trey, you got you got anything you would recommend to a, a father and son? Oh, well, this, this is a tough one because like the games that bounced off them are games that I really like. And I I don't love Galaxy Trucker, and I although I kind of recognize that Gloomhaven's really good, it's not exactly my cup of tea either. Um, so like no, so it's hard because like I'm at, it's like taste a taste that don't align with my own. It would Matt would something like too many bones be right for this? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's a co-op. Um, and so, but I feel like if they have Gloomhaven, yeah, I mean, it scratches a different niche than Gloomhaven. Would I like it more than Gloomhaven. Would Mage That's not Knight, a bad recommendation. Would Mage Knight be right for them? I feel like Mage Knight is a solo game. It's a little fiddly for two. Oh. It's, a, it's such a pain to set up. What's that game where like you are, uh, like you're going into like the dungeon or like this cave where all these monsters are and uh like you know there is three offerings per room and like the first offering is uh the worst the second is the best and the Bobble. third is like somewhere in the middle Bobble. do you remember like is this like like a like a, a riddle of the sphinx no it's like it's, i think it's dungeon dungeon ah it's like a is it escape or something or welcome to the dungeon no uh, uh it's i think it's a hungarian designer uh, someone's screaming 
um, and telling us the name of it right now, but we can't hear them. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna look it up. I'll, I'll recommend two. I'll recommend two recent releases because it's always fun to get the new hotness. Um, I think Lost Ruins of Arnak could be a good fit. You didn't mention any deck builders, but I think it's a really fun thematic deck builder that could appeal to a gamer and um, a blooming gamer. I would also recommend Beyond the Sun. You seem to like space themes. Um, I think Beyond the Sun is totally uh, uh, teachable and fun and thematic and could be cool to explore. Um, you know, and they're both new and exciting and fun. Spirit Island as well is fun. If you guys are into card-based games and co-ops, I, I don't know. I mean, outside of Gloomhaven, I don't know if you like just like straight up pandemic style co-ops, but Spirit Island is always fun. I'm really impressed that a um, seven-year-old is yeah. playing these games, by the way. like Absolutely. I, that's, that is, that's absurd. That's a very smart seven-year-old. And it's also probably the case that what a seven-year-old likes now versus what they were like when they're 10 or 12 will change. So it might oh, yeah. be like... These games are bouncing off him now, but his brain will be different in two years and he'll be ready. If you have a seven-year-old that put Great Western Trail on their top ten list, um, you are very lucky. And Uh, you are going to have a lot of fun with your gaming partner in the future. uh, I kind of sense that Terraforming Mars uh, is a favorite because of the narrative of the cards. uh, Because it's a story being told. Sure. And I would recommend something um, like that nobody here would probably recommend, uh, uh, but uh, that Sherlock game that Jesse really likes, the investigative game. Is it Chronicles of Crime or Detective? I forget Uh, which one you like. I, I think might scratch the same itch because it's also very narrative. Uh, and story-wise and reading, and it, it is its own world. Right. Sure. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, that those are like escape room kind of vibes to me, but like experiential, but they're they're cool. If that, that could be a thing. Um, well, guys, we made it to the end of a year. The last episode of 2020. Uh, any big New Year's plans, Dimitri? You go, you got going like a huge sort of like foam party rave in Ibiza <laughs> kind of a thing. I'm actually going to a Zoom New Year's party, uh, and, and we're encouraged to dress up. Uh, so, it, 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 I, I think it's going to be wonderful. Uh, I, 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 uh, I, I think uh, this is a time of relief and a time of release. Uh, I, I think since about mid-November, uh, I've been feeling hopeful. Oh, good. Oh, good. Trey, uh, Paul, any New Year's plans? Trey, I'll start with you. None. Gonna be going to be here with the folks. Stay That's a good plan. Paul, what about you? Going to be not eating delicious food? Uh, I am going to be not eating delicious food. I... I don't know. I, I assume that I won't be going to any parties, which is, you know, by that, I mean, I know I won't. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Like, you know, I feel like in some ways the year is already done, but it probably was over for me at November 3rd or November 1st. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, uh, uh, but like, you know, it, I'm, I guess, no, nothing, nothing. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll a splurge and eat an orange. <laughs> oh, God. That's grim, the most grim. depressing ending to this podcast ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, last year Rachel and I fell asleep at ten thirty, and I, I think with a little work we can get that down to about ten fifteen this year. Um, yeah. Right, <laughs> that's uh, that's the life of people who wake up at five thirty every morning with kids. Um, Dungeon but, uh, Lords, yeah. that's the answer. Dungeon Lords. I'm, Dungeon. There you go. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, who does that game? Um, uh, that's Vlada. Vlada. Yeah, 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 he's the check design, yeah. right? Yeah, Dungeon Lords. Yeah. I think that Dungeon was Lords, that. Dungeon Pets. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun game. That's a heavy game. Um, I'm so glad that we kept this going this year. I came back this year at a certain point. Tom kept it alive throughout there. All of you, my fellow co-hosts, kept it alive out there. Um, I would like to uh, thank literally everybody on our podcast um, for giving their time uh, and showing up and putting in such amazing work. Jennifer and Tom and Jake and Alfred and Jesse and Elder uh, and Ben. Um, God, I hope I didn't forget anybody. I think I said everybody who's not here today. Alfred. Um, I said Alfred, right? I said Alfred. Albert. Uh, uh, You are all awesome. And I'm so glad to call you friends. And I'm so excited to play games uh, in 2021 with all of you. Thank you so much, Dimitri. That was a wonderful way. In person, God willing. Um, I uh, wish you all a good uh, New Year. And um, look, I'll I'll see you all in the next few days. I'm sure we'll play something. Um, Thank you so much. I'm so glad we ended with you, Dimitri. Happy New Year. If you told me that I'd be on the last podcast of Game Brain of 2020 when we were starting out, I would have said, What? But this is one of the joys. This uh, this was your goal. This was your goal. The, he met it. This was it. Excuse me. He met it. Victory condition achieved. All right, folks. You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You might know them as Alfred on our show. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with boring games. (laughs) Boring.